This is episode seven of season two for True Detective Black Maps and Motel Rooms. Michelle, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was better than last week, and last week I thought was better than before. So. Yeah, they're getting better, but they're still, in, they've still, in comparison with season one, I hate to keep repeating that, they're just not the same. same at all as season one season one was so engrossing and so i mean i literally could not wait it was just like sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for it to come on and um this is nothing like that the the big complaint i had with this episode was that it was so um it just so much information it's just like they're just and i know we've said this before but it's just like they just packed so much information in this episode. Yeah, just like they front-loaded all the information. Now they're trying to resolve all the information in these last two episodes, and it's just brutal. Exactly. Exactly. Normally, just on one of their normal podcasts or, or, or normal episodes, I take like maybe seven pages of notes. And, and I mean, I write big and everything, so it's not that. But, but this Big one block had, letters. <laughs> This one had 11 pages, so it was that much more. So it was just crazy. I just couldn't get over all the information they were kind of shoveling to us. So. Well, we had some we had some Twitter comments from our listeners, Michelle. One one person in particular named Daniel, who's who's kind of humorously trying to correct us on things that we are slowly stumbling over. Okay, pretty funny, and he has his own theories too, like. He thinks Jordan is a Manchurian candidate type wife kind of playing Frank. Uh, I think you said that at one point too, but he thinks he thinks she's in the background pulling strings for other people and manipulating Frank. Wonder what would give him that impression. But I don't well he he thinks she's working for Osip and McCandless. I don't think that at all. I think Jordan's on the up and up with Frank. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me because you wouldn't be trying to have a baby with somebody that you were doing that to, I wouldn't think. That, you know, just just that piece of information thrown in seems like that would be a really silly thing. What else? What else have we messed up on? Well, he, these are just his speculations, so he's he's got every right to be as messed up as we are. Uh, oh, I think yeah. he also said something about how because we didn't know who Roger Moore Blake was. Blake not pretty clear in this episode, but he thinks Blake is Chad's rape dad. You know what? I actually thought that. I mean, I don't know. Did he see this before, or did he see it last night when it came? No, he sent it? these tweets like between our last episode and last night. Okay, because I really start. But you know, Blake, that's. That's one of my complaints. Blake was such a non-character in every other episode. They talked about him and stuff, but I don't even know if I remember seeing him hardly before. You know, he was just like, if we saw him, he was just like kind of in passing. Yeah, they even called him Mr. Nothing or Mr. Nobody because he was kind of so subtly in the background. Right. right. But he looks like Chad. He's got like the light hair and the pale skin and he could be chad's father i yeah but the dna test shows that it was the other guy right 
the guy that's in prison, the one that Ray went to see. I don't know. If we know that's really for sure, I mean, right. who knows? I know, I know. I know, with this show, you just never know. But I really did think that, looking at him with the red hair and all that, I, I thought I kind of had the same thing. But not until last night, because I haven't paid attention to him until last night, honestly. All right, well, this one's pretty complicated, so let's try to figure it out. So it okay. s- starts out with Paul and Vera. Uh, Paul, look, the Vera's the girl they saved from the party. He, mm-hmm. he looks over the documents that he stole, stole from Osip and McCandless. And again, these scenes kind of jump around mm-hmm. a little bit. So then, then we see Annie uh, re- remembering that Holloway was at the uh, was at the party. Holloway's the chief of police, I think. Um, yeah. I and think Geldof, so. the Geldof. attorney general, were shaking hands with people, and and then yeah, she- she's really freaked out by everybody she saw there. She named like four or five people, I think. She's she still coming up out of her stupor from the mdma that Mm -hmm. she just this is right on the this is time wise right on the heels of them getting out of that party right so she's still coming out of her stupor vera's still recovering from her drugs and stuff but annie says she waited her whole life for this encounter like her chance to encounter her childhood trauma and that during her whole life she's even been looking for ways to encounter it which was pretty philosophically deep for us to hear from annie Oh, well, yeah, but then she kind of goes into, it's almost like she's flashed back to it. She starts talking about how she ran out of the woods and they found her. And he's, I mean, she's almost like, almost like she's mixed up these two uh, incidents. And because Ray was like, what are you talking about? And she's very confused and she just wants to drop it at that point. I almost took it more like she had mixed up, you know, like, thought just i don't know like the two incidents kind of blended yeah that could be how it comes out though that could be how she finally gets clarity is that the one triggers the other and they blur together and then they become distinctly clear but you know that's another thing that they put in here and here here i go again i'm telling you that i like the episode and i or or that or that it was better anyway and here i go again on this she's i don't understand the point of this with her. I don't understand the point of what happened to her as a child, unless it's just supposed to kind of give us some insight to her lack of being able to have a relationship or something. Yeah. It's her makeup. It's her personality. She's a big deal thing though. Don't you think to throw in there as almost like an afterthought? I don't know. I just think it's such a big, you could do a whole, whole, anthology just on what happened to her and the whole thing. And then to throw that in, it feels. No, I like it. I like that. It's it's made her heart scrabble. She's a, she's essentially a dude. She's like a hard drinking, hard gambling sex. Sex means like little to her. It's superficial. It's kind of like a guy, um, which makes her interesting. Okay. I just felt like it was a lot of, a big thing to throw in as as a uh, as a way to introduce us to her. That's all. Well, they threw it in a few times. It wasn't like they just threw it in now. No, no, but it's just such a monumental life happening. I mean, we find out in this episode that she was gone for four days, and 
that's just such a huge thing to, I mean, the way it was in the last episode, she was just, it looked like a guy took her off by the hand and probably molested her is what it looked like. But in this one, we find out she was like literally gone. It's like she was taken and had to wander out of the woods. I don't know. It just seemed like such a big, huge thing just to tell us who she was. It's kind of a theme in this series, though. It's like children. Like it happened to Frank. It happened to the two kids at the jewelry store. And then now we find out it happened to Annie. Yeah. It's like children getting put into tough situations by shitty adults. And then the kids have to deal with the aftermath of what those bad things, how those bad things that happen to them affect them in their rest of their adult lives. Well, and even Paul. Yeah, Paul, too. I don't know. I. I didn't mind it. I don't like the fact that it happened to her, but I don't mind it being part of the story. It wasn't. No, I just thought it was too much. It's too much information. It's too much to absorb. It's too much to try to really like sink into her and, and, and know her and sympathize with her when it's thrown in this huge event as like just, just an explanation. I don't know. What do you want to do? See her in therapy and, her therapy is what she does as an adult. It's coping with it in, you know, negative ways. No, I just think that it should have been more of the story. If that, they just have all of these. They don't have, huge have enough things. room. I know, I know. That's that's it. That's perfect. They don't have enough room to to give these plots, these subplots, the attention that they deserve. I don't think so. Annie and Ray are still almost connecting. They're not quite uh-huh. romantically. They're they're flirting like in a rough way the whole series, the whole season. But um, it, Ray interesting, interestingly says, "You're too far out of my league anyway," which I thought was interesting. Pizzolatto comes up with some good lines every now and then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this was a. Why pretty... do you think he said that though? Because I mean, it's not like his. Ex-wife Gina wasn't great too. Maybe she, maybe he thought she was out of his league, okay. and he lost her. Yeah. I don't know. I think Ray has a pretty negative view of himself. He's he's pretty depressed and depressing character. Yeah, probably has pretty low self-esteem, and you know he's gone a pretty rough path <laughs> in yeah. his in his whole life. If you add up everything. Um, so the paperwork that they got, that Paul got from this, that's from this party, they they're looking at it, and it's it's like addenda to corporations shares, company shares that show the new owners of the um, of the land and all this stuff. The new owners are Eagle Iron LLC, which is essentially OSIP, and Electrolux Entertainment, which is Chisani. So OSIP and Chisani kind of got the ownership of this land trust that's going to own all this land that's going to ultimately be turned into money by the purchase of it by the government for this train. Okay, and they repurchased it. They repurchased Casper's shares, right? For yeah. For like pennies I, on the dollar. Okay, how did they get his shares, Wonder? Do you know? Do you know how they got to be the ones to buy it? Was it just like people who were already in it anyway, and so the shares just got distributed amongst the other people or did that come up anywhere? Yeah, I'm not sure. They just, um, you know, Casper's gone now. So maybe they did something because he's been killed that they plan to do all along and just reduce the number of partners and, okay. uh, and just, obs- 
absorb his shares. Yeah, well, they use the word redistributed them. So I assume that's what they meant. But, I mean, all of this is like in the first, like, 60 seconds of the show anyway. So I, I wasn't sure. Yeah, this show is just totally made of jump cuts. There's not very long scenes at all. Paul gets a text next of a picture with him and his ex uh, on his phone, and the message says, busy night, say hi to Emily, and it's him with that other guy. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're going to share this all with Emily or or have shared it. I looked on the five screen, stopped it, and tried to look on the phone to see who the recipients were. Mm-hmm. That didn't tell us if that was a group message to him and Emily or to just him. Because um, later on we hear him talking to Emily and he's talking to her and she and he tries to say he was undercover with this guy like she had seen this picture. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wondered about that, too. But I didn't I couldn't tell either. I was trying to see and see who the who the text came from and I couldn't tell. Didn't so. say just mm-hmm. as like anonymous. So next, Frank's at the casino just playing cards by himself, playing playing imaginary dealer to imaginary players just while he's thinking. And Jordan joins him, and they talk about how the Mexicans are going to be running the clubs for a while. Frank kind of reveals to her that they're going to – he has to hold up this deal that he did for the, uh, for the, the trade of the information from the girl. Yeah, so I think g- he kind of got screwed with that one because, I mean, him wanting to meet her and he met her dead – I don't know, or, or or have a face-to-face, and then, does that count as a face-to-face? Technically, I guess so. I mean, okay. what are you going to do? You can't go to court, can't, you know, can't contest it, so he's kind of stuck with that deal. Um, and then Jordan asked him how much money they could pull together with, with um, everything that they own and just get the hell out, and he says two to 300000 but he doesn't want to do that because that's 45 years of his life just gone for a fraction of what it, he thought it could be. Right. Uh, and then Ray shows up and says, I had a bit of a strange night. <laughs> and he's about yeah. he's about to tell him, I guess, what's going on. Um, and then we see Paul with Emily again. Now all these jump cuts back and forth. But she says, the men on the phone scared me. Um, and why did you even get what? So she must have gotten this text as well, right? Yeah, the men on yeah, the phone, unless somebody called her and threatened her, but it looks like she saw this text and he tries to explain it away, but she knows she's, she says, why did you even get with me in the first place? And now we're having a baby. It's like, you're, you're gay. <laughs> why are you with me? And you're screwing up my life now. Um, and he tries to tell her it's undercover, but we can see she doesn't believe him. Uh, that's what I took from it. Why did he have to take her away? Was she in danger, do you think? I yeah, the, the threat, the threat if they can't get to Paul, they're going to get to his close pe- people close to him. Okay. And they're just, already doing but, it. He doesn't care. They, the, they don't care if he sees the picture of him with the gay guy. They, he doesn't want other people to see it, so he's going to. You know, they're th- they if they know her phone number, they know he's gay, and they have pictures of it, and they can share it with people. They can find those people. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just weird that they've already kind of we've ascertained, like, shown her these pictures. So it seems weird that that then you would have to kind of take her away. It seems like they already dealt their blow, and and. Well, their blow is to stop him, to kill him, because he can reveal. Right. 
but they've already kind of shown their hand. You know what I mean? Like, they've already... That would be a great blackmail tool. You don't, you know, you do what we say because we have these pictures well, on that's you. What it, that's what they're doing. I know, but if you've already shown his uh, fiance, I don't know. It just yeah, but like he doesn't want really, he doesn't want the other people on the police. Yeah, right. it, they're just trying to flush flush him out so they can get him and get those documents back. Okay. So. Um, yeah, so then Annie and Athena talk, the sisters, and she, Annie admits she went in as Athena at this party. And Bald Moves podcast, Michelle, had a great take on this. Like, she's totally screwed Athena going in as her name. They're going to remember, girls will remember Athena. They'll connect who, who Athena is and be able to find Athena and get her, catch her, get her in trouble. Why didn't she just go in as, like, you know? Judy. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I don't know. And had Athena not done this before? Because I took it that she had done this before. Yeah. That's so why going in with her name. Well, I mean, there's was? more than one Athena in the world, but it's why? Why? Why complicate it that much and draw this, the attention to you and your sister so tightly like that? Yeah, that was crazy. Um, but she tells her she saved Vera and that's why she did it. And now they all have to get away. M- Mama and Athena have to get away. Right. Um, they're not mama. That's that's Dad. Paul's problem, I guess. Right. <laughs> Dad we'll to, and Athena. Yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. So, uh, Paul does check Emily and his mama now into the hotel for two to three nights tops. That's it. And then they're gonna everything's gonna get figured out. We kind of mm-hmm. know that's bullshit, right? Right. His tr- his tracks are too complicated to cover up and to fix in two to three nights. And I always had the the doomed feeling for Paul during this whole episode, even when it looked like he was going to get away, that it was just not his. One of these people had to get had to get bumped off, and Paul seemed like a likely character. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I was worried about him from the episode one when he was riding his motorcycle with his eyes closed and the lights off and everything. I kind of had a bad feeling about Paul. So jump back to Frank and Ray. They're talking, and it's it's bigger than just this guy Blake, who's Frank's p- number two in charge, his partner. It includes this Attorney General Geldof, uh, how they took and sold Casper Casper sh- shares, and OSIP's involved, and uh, Blake was the holding company treasurer of all this, and um, Ray Ray tells Frank the. Down low, pretty much. Your man and this other guy helped Tony screw you out of Casper's shares, and then they probably just killed him. And that his old police chief, Holloway, was at the party, too. Right. Um, So Ray asked again for the name of the guy who put Frank onto the wife's rapist. Yeah, which that was what he was asking. Remember last week how you said I thought he was asking for the name, and I said, well, why would he ask for the name? Because he knew who he was and all that. He was asking for the name of who told him that that other guy. For the wrong guy, yeah. Right, right. That's what he was going for. We sat and kind of went back and forth on that forever. So that's what he was asking. So uh, Ray calls Woodrow now and tells him Arena said that the guy involved in the pawn deal was a white cop and uh, also to track down the service record. He's looking for the service records of his ex-chief Holloway from 1992 to see how he where he where he was and who was connected to him 
way back in 1992. Right. And he wants to take all this to Davis. Davis is the black cop who kind of enlisted the th- these magnificent three to uh, work for her to get the dope right. on all this stuff. All right, so that's a lot of info, and we what have we been in three minutes, four minutes? Yeah, it's really like a lot of stuff, yeah. All right, so now Annie and Vera are talking. Vera's coming out of her stupor, and Vera turns out to be just a, th- a thankless bitch, pretty much. Um, a- Annie tells her that she was put onto this whole case by her sister, uh, and he show- she shows her the contents from this mailbox, pictures of people, um, and it turns out Vera knew Ben Casper from Pantapakam Institute way back. Uh, Tasha was Casper's favorite girl back at the time. And she had kept photo. I guess Tasha kept the photos of the parties back then to blackmail people eventually. Or, or just as insurance, yeah. Or maybe to blackmail, right. And so they found Tasha with a camera, which is big, big, a big no-no at these parties. And they took Tasha to that cabin. Yeah. Yeah, they painted the inside of the cabin with Tasha. That's what it... So Vera doesn't want to help Annie at all. She was just going to follow the rule. Vera was kind of digging this whole gig, I guess. Yeah, Vera liked it. She was going to follow the rules. Everything was going to go her way. I guess she got a little bit of money. She got some drugs. And she had sex with these guys. She didn't seem to mind the fact that it was quasi-group rape or whatever. Um, but then we learned the other girl in the pictures was Laura, Laura, the girl from the jewelry robbery. Right, right. And then you tried to show me a picture of, was that Laura or the boy that the boy looked like some adult now too? Yeah. The boy looked like the photographer or the camera guy on set. Remember when they took us to that set and we were like, why did they bother doing this in that movie that they were shooting? The boy looked like him, the photographer that was on there, and um, the girl, somebody else had said, I think on Reddit or somewhere, I can't remember where I read it now, that the girl was who it actually was, which was Casper's secretary. That's what we Yeah, Erica. We, we picked her out, too, as the pretty girl that handed the paperwork off to Ray or somebody early in one of the first episodes. Like, that girl's got to be important. She's too pretty. And they're making a point of her being part of this knowledge of paperwork. Right. So right. this, this Plus she showed up on the set, remember? And that was weird. It was like, why would Casper's secretary, when he's missing, be on the set of this movie? I don't know. The whole thing was weird. Well, you know, the if Erica slash... Laura is involved that the brother can't be too far away. Not like he's right. he's totally healthy and healed from this and she's still trying to dig it dig into it. You know, they come as a as a pair. So that girl in the pictures was Laura. Uh Vera doesn't want to have anything to do with her sister because she has nice things. <laughs> so Vera probably has her back history just like Annie and everybody else of something bad that happened to her. Well, and also she didn't like her sister's husband or or male partner, whatever it was. Remember, that's the one she she's talking about how her sister just cows down to him, and and you know what's essentially what's the difference? And um, you know, Annie tells her that she was maybe put on the word, maybe put in the world for more than just sex, and you know. 
Vera says, yeah, well, she everything. tries to make the parallel. What's the difference if you're a wife or if you're a drug-addled participant whore at a party? Well, I don't think she was saying wife. I think she was saying wife who's beaten down by the man who, who you know, I don't remember a lot about this woman's husband, but I know that they were getting foreclosed on in their house and they had problems. And she talked about her sister, Vera talked about her sister like she cowed down to her husband who dominated her. And yeah, but like, I got I got the message that she thought that was the greater message of like marriage. It's like men just keep women down. They can keep them down at a party where you get free drugs and alcohol, or you can be in a marriage where you're just you know that's your role. That's your role no matter what as a woman. Maybe. So. I think she just wanted the choice to do what she wanted to do, and she didn't like her sister interfering with what she wanted to do because she said essentially she didn't interfere with how her sister wanted to live her life. Now, yeah, but why did she want to do what she was doing? Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> she had to have a bad experience. I don't know. So Annie just threatens her now. If you don't lay low and, and stop this, you know, if you don't stay out of my way, I'm going to reveal that you talk to cops, and that's not going to be good for you. And they'll paint you that room with you next or something, right. she says. Right. So Paul goes and Paul Woodrow looks up the 1992 records and he sees Dixon and Burris were the arresting officers in the drug dealing case. And Holloway was their watch commander at back then. And Casper was the accountant in the eternal audits uh, department. So they're all connected. And we see somebody kind of watching Paul do this. Right. And then also there's an. He sees there's an APB out on Annie for the death of the security officer that she stabbed at the party. Yeah. Isn't that odd? Wasn't that odd? No, because the police were at the party and they probably, I don't know, somebody recognized her at the party. Well, they hadn't seen her. I mean, you know, they made a, she made a point of like ducking out on that and suddenly there's an APB out on her. Maybe they have cameras or video. Oh, or, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're I mean, right. somebody knew it was her because she was... Otherwise, how would they put an APV out? Right. Um, so he copies all this, but somebody's watching him while he's doing it. We don't really see who it is yet. But right. All right. So Frank gets 15000 from Blake. Now we're going to learn more about Blake. Blake Churchman from the girls in the club last night had some special party in a booth with some guys and got fifteen grand from them. And so Blake turns that over to Frank and... Uh, Frank reveals that he knows Stan was following you, following you, Blake, and you you found out about that and you killed him. So what did he see you doing? So Frank kind of pulls a card on Blake and asks him what, what he saw you doing that made him want to kill you. Yeah, yeah, made you want to kill him and cut his eyes out, which, you know, he's, he said was that to make it look like it was connected to Casper. Why did you do that? I mean, he just, he didn't cut him any any slack at all he didn't really give him an opportunity to even deny it did you think blake had a chance of ever leaving this room at this point oh no well no and then i almost bought it but no did you well i was wondering because frank could have turned him if if he had any ounce of trustworthiness but i guess once he smashed this glass into his face that was a good sign that was that was the first sign, yeah. And, I mean, you know, you have to understand that this guy killed Stan. And Stan was like Frank's right-hand man, right? Yeah, but Blake, I don't think, was too far 
behind. Yeah, but he's him. found out Blake's been double crossing him this whole yeah, time. Yeah, double to kill a guy that important, I guess, is a pretty big double cross. But he yeah, offers and, a triple cross. Well, he does. He does. <laughs> you offer anything, I guess, in that situation. But once you get past the drop, the double cross, it's hard. It's you're probably starting to push the limits of trustworthiness. Yeah, I would think the triple cross. Think. You know, there's not that much left. No. No, I agree. You double cross me, then you double cross the guy that you double cross me with, and now I'm going to have to trust you again. Yeah, that's Good that's luck. a stretch. Yeah. So Ray drives out to meet Davis, the cop, and finds out she's dead. That was kind of horrifying. I mean, she was like freshly, freshly dead. She looked like she had, like they had just left her. Yeah, she's still sitting there, kind of with surprised look on her face. Yeah. Um, we jump back to Frank. He's continuing to torture Blake, grinding the glass into his face. <laughs> stepping on his head. I mean, he's stepping on his head. Blake reveals that Osip's been running girls in Southern California the whole time. And um, Blake tells him Casper was always going to fuck Frank with Osip backing him up. That, you know, Frank's kind of been, been on the been ignorant of all this. Rob. And Osip's, you know, kind of pulling all these strings behind his back, and then he tells him that Osip and Chasani are absorbing Casper's shares of everything. Right. So we hear that again. Yeah. And then Stan caught Blake meeting with Osip, and that's why Blake had to kill him. So we had a lot of answers to some of these questions that right. they asked a minute ago. Right. Um, and that Blake gave Frank the original name on who ra- who raped Ray's wife. Yeah. Just some meth head who was going to come out after him. So he used Frank's anger or Ray's anger, I guess, to get rid of this meth head. Right. So that was the fake guy who got killed by Ray. Some just some schlub meth head who was going to come after this guy, Blake. Right. And we finally find find out, you know, who Ray was pushing Frank, the name that Ray was pushing Frank for. I thought... Frank might just give that information to Ray once he had all of his answers and let Ray handle Blake. That's the only way I thought Blake was going to get out of there. Blake would have been pretty dangerous leaving that room, though, with all his connections to Osip and McCandless. Oh, sure, and sure, sure. Goes right to them and just says, look, Frank knows everything. Yeah, but at that point, too, him... Frank's going to go back, we assume, and tell Ray that it was Blake who told him that. And now Blake's not there anymore. So that would be, I don't know, is Frank going to believe him? Blake was pretty meek in this meeting with Frank. Like, he he played like his only option was to get Frank to give him a second chance. Right. Like, he didn't have a gun on him or he didn't try to fight back or anything. He was just kind of whimpering, hoping Frank right. would give him a second chance. I don't know. I found that a little bit hard to believe. Um, and Frank prepares to strangle him, and Blake tells him that there's a money exchange coming up at Catalyst with Osip and McCandless at, at McCandless Ranch up in Ojai, another city north of Los Angeles. And so so Frank lets him go after that a little bit and the, and gets the dope on this meeting where there to, there's going to be $12 million in in money exchanging hands. So... I don't know. I guess maybe at that point I thought, well, maybe Frank will use Blake to help him work that deal to get that money. Right, but, because he knows Ray would get him anyway, eventually. 
He wouldn't even have to do anything else. Well, he wants the money. He wants the money more than anything, even more than this guy, Blake, I think. He wants money more than he wants Blake did, but... Um, he also learns that Osip has bought up all the liens on everything Frank has, all the clubs, and they're going to take over all of Frank's stuff. Um, and then, bang, Frank just shoots him and wa- has a drink and watches him die. Well, he gives him a drink. He gives him another drink, and then he shoots him. Well, he gives him a drink, shoots him, and then has a drink himself. Right. And wa- kind of watches him die, gut shot yeah, die. that was right. All uh, right. So next we see Annie and her father, and they look at the old picture, uh, oh, the old picture of the old Guerneville camp, I guess. And they make the comment that everybody was on their own paths. They were all headed different directions, going through things to their own lives and careers. Uh, and I guess you could say that about any old picture, right, Michelle? It's interesting if you could look back and say, "Wow, look at look at Steve Jobs back in 1967." You know, he was in class doing computer work and whatever, whatever. It's interesting just to see the paths people end up on and the way that they started on those paths. Yeah, yeah. You know, these paths were nefarious, this old picture of these old people. But it's always interesting to look back at that and just say some people probably turned out to be nice people and some people were evil from this picture. Right. And yeah. Annie remembers the face. She remembered the face of the guy who took her away for four days. Um, so, so was that guy in that picture? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I didn't even really think about it until you were just talking about that picture. And I, so I don't know. And now her father tells her, I think I heard this correctly, that his father was harsh. The guy who took her away for four days, his father was harsh or hit or his father himself. I took it as his own father. So Annie's grandfather and that. That's why he went down the path he did of this peace, love, let everybody do what they want to do, because he was afraid he was going to turn into his own father and be this harsh person that he didn't want to be. That's how I took that. So even Annie's father knows that she's in trouble because he asks her her if she's going to turn herself in. And she says, no, she's going to fix it. So this right. APB must have gotten out onto the news and everybody, because everybody kind of knows this now, right. that Annie's wanted. Um, I don't know how this guy knows it out in the woods in his VW van. <laughs> well, I mean, she's like sending him away. I don't know. Maybe she told him. Maybe she's, no, no, that, that wouldn't make sense, would it? Yeah, she's going to send them up to Oregon and protect them with the, old boyfriend and all this but um so that so that group shows up she she changes plates with the old detective elvis the boyfriend that she that got in trouble for the got got her in trouble essentially or didn't do much to protect her from being in trouble for dating a person in your control in in the police department your, your superior dating you is not cool so they reconcile pretty briefly he's gonna follow the sister and the dad up to eugene up to get away from this. Um, so she says goodbye, st- starts to say goodbye to her sister. And, um, now, Fr- now Frank's with his partner, Nails. That's the, that guy's name is Nails, right? Yeah, that's the guy who used the nail gun. So they've been the, that they've been in war for the last six months, didn't even really know it. 
Now, this is where Jordan, we got to decide now, is Jordan the Manchurian wife pulling strings for other people or is she really with Frank on the up and up? Yeah, because I was a little concerned when she was walking through the casino and he was looking out at her. I was concerned and he said, bring her up. I was concerned because uh, the guy was like, I'll just go stop her. And Frank's like, no, bring her up. To, so she could see Blake there on the floor. Was he mistrusting her, or was he trusting her? Yeah, he was either t- he was either either bringing her up so that she could see the gravity of everything they're involved in, so she doesn't argue with him about anything he asks her to do next, or he's bringing her up to say like, "Okay, you bitch, we caught you, we were onto all of all of you, all of this." But I didn't get that answer when she came up. <laughs> I mean, did you think that she might have been in on it and he was kind of bringing her up to to gauge her reaction? Okay, I, I don't remember ever thinking that she was against Frank. I didn't know if he was bringing her up to, you know, just to say, here, this is the, the gravity, like you said, or if he maybe thought she was double-crossing him. You know, but that's the first time I thought that because I thought maybe he thought he wanted to see her reaction. But we know Jordan has no reaction to anything. Well, that's what I just said. He wanted to see her reaction because she might have been double crossing him. But I don't know that we got that. I don't know if we got that answer. No. I mean, she didn't have a reaction, but she has she doesn't ever have a reaction. Yeah. Have we ever seen a reaction? He tells her to leave with Nails tomorrow. I don't know if that's to protect her or if Nails is with her. Frank knows that Nails can keep an eye on her. So it's still kind of in the up in the air. Yeah, but, but she's the one who said, how much money can you get your hands on earlier? She's like, let's just, let's just go. Let's just get out. And she didn't want him back in this, um, you know, well, that that's Bad what helps business. make it cloudy, though, because maybe okay. if he said, I can get my hands on $5 million, she could go right back to OSIP and say, all right, he's got $5 million somewhere. Yeah. I don't but know. She would have a baby with him. Well, that's I a mean, good... they were, like, in the, in the clinic, remember, at one point, to have the baby? Like so he... a girl never had a baby with a guy and then double-crossed him? Never. Baby, having a baby makes everything perfect? She'd want to have a baby with him, and then while she's doing this too, maybe she just wanted to have a baby. Period. Okay, I don't know. I don't buy it. I could be wrong. So Frank goes and talks to a jeweler. Jeweler. Uh, he wants to buy diamonds, he, and the going price for diamonds, Michelle, is five carats for seven hundred thousand. And he's going to be bringing in five to six million to buy more. And he needs it to happen fast. And this convinces this jeweler. I like this jewelry scene. It was pretty dramatic, pretty cool, pretty Reservoir Dogs-like. Um, pretty interesting cr- criminal little little scene here. The jeweler jeweler is probably pretty legit, but will take a deal if he can make enough money and and not get caught. But he doesn't. He's suspicious. He's suspicious that Frank wants this to happen too fast with money. He's going to get too fast and. He, and wants to get rid of too quickly, so he's smart. He knows that something's on the on the lowdown here, and um, he just doesn't want to do it. He tries to back out, and Frank kind of coolly says, "Well, just I would appreciate if you name the price that will make this deal happen." 
And he also drops the name Abner Ehrman. Do you remember him from anything? No. Like he got in touch with this jeweler via some guy named Abner Ehrman. But the guy, the jeweler, eventually tells him he'll do it for a 40% exchange rate. So I guess it's five carats now instead of for 700000 it's for nearly a million. So Frank has to pay 40% premium to, to change this money he's going to steal from OSEP into diamonds. Right. Right. So now we see Frank do a couple other things. He goes to set up a trip to Venezuela with a travel agent mm-hmm. as an engagement present for two people in Oregon from Portland to Venezuela. Yeah. So that's Jordan and Nails. Oh, I thought it was himself and Jordan. Okay. I thought he was, yeah, maybe. Well, what about Nails? Nails just left behind? I don't think he's going to take anybody else with him. Unless he has work to do. He wants to get Jordan and Nails off to a safe place. And then he goes and... Uh, maybe. Maybe just, I thought it was just him. He leaves poor Nails in Portland. Well, he's leaving a lot of people behind. I wouldn't be real. Well, who does he have besides Nails and Jordan? Maybe Ray. You call him Ray as a friend, but I don't think he's going to do much to protect Ray. No, I don't know. I think his next closest partner is Nails. Yeah, but come on. I mean, you know, we've seen Nails like twice, maybe three times. I don't know. I don't know. I think that would be odd if he were sending Nails to Venezuela. Not if he were going with Jordan to protect her to get her out of trouble. No. No, but why not do it today if that were the the thing? This is like a few days down the road. This is supposed to I don't know how how's he going to get out of town? Well, he also yeah, I don't know. He also asked that the tickets are exchangeable. Right. So There's there's no extradition from Venezuela, is that right? I have no idea. Is that idea. why he's choosing that? Okay, I thought that was what it was. He's doing some other stuff too. He meets with those bakery guys, the Russian bakery guys and gets passports set up. Yep. He also needs two clean, fast cars. So he's got a lot to do. That's why I think he's going to send Jordan away immediately to Portland and then maybe further to Venezuela. But I don't know. Maybe she's going to Portland to wait for him, and then they both go from Portland to Venezuela. But he needs cars and guns, and he hands a list to uh, the Russian guys. Did you stop and screen read that list, Michelle? I did not. I did not. Did okay, you? one thing they did, the prop guys duplicated the list. So they listed a bunch of stuff, like one items one through five, and then they put one through five again as six through ten. So they just duplicated the list exactly, as if no one would screen stop and screen read the, the list. Why on earth? Sloppy, just sloppy. Yeah, that's not good. So I started to write down the list, and I got to number six or whatever when it where it started to duplicate. I'm like, wait a minute, I just I thought I just wrote that, and that's just a duplicate. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but anyway, here is what was on the list: an M4 automatic rifle, a Benelli M4 shotgun, a Remington shotgun, ten flash grenades, ten tear gas canisters, two gas masks, two Kevlar vests, two AK-47s. Extra AK magazines, 500 rounds per piece, and then that's where it starts to duplicate. And here Frank says he's going to pay 800K for all this. And he also he won't let the Russians take over all the liens that he – I guess the liens included this bakery too that he was going to take over these guys' business. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so he'll stop that from happening. And he's going to give him 100000 of the 800000 right now and 700000 in two days. 
And then if he ends up getting where he's going, he's going to send him another half million. Yeah. Yeah. So these guys pretty much can't say no to this. Plus, they produce some pretty, pretty good-looking passports, like pretty, pretty cool, efficient-looking, believable passports. Yeah, they even said they had the chips done in them. So that's pretty believable. All right. So now we go back to the magnificent trio, Annie, Ray, and Paul. They talk about Davis's murder. Um, Ray says it was probably done with one of his extra guns from his house, which would implicate him as the murderer. Um, they all share the information that Burris and Dixon were with Holloway and Casper worked there and the jewelry store was in their district. So all the stuff connected to that 1992 jewelry store robbery. Um, so Paul reveals that the jewelry store robbery was in 1992 and Casper helped them fence the jewels once that, once they got it out of the jewelry store and that Leonard and Laura were the two orphan kids from the, from the jewelry store. The parents were killed. Um, and they used this money, these cops, this, this team, Burris, Dixon, Holloway, Casper used this money to give it to Chisani to buy into his deal in Vinci. They all got jobs and salaries in Vinci after Buying in with Chisani, Rob. So this put this put the whole happy troop together in Chisani. That's how it all started. Um, and Casper, they also find out that Casper's old Hollywood place was was thrown apart or picked apart by these cops looking for the evidence of the diamonds. The, that that time that Ray went up there, I guess they were still doing that, right? They were still looking right. for evidence from the crime way way back. Um, then we find out Tosh was going to blackmail Casper. Uh, so the cops killed Casper because Tasha had these photographs of Casper and then they didn't want him to be victim of blackmail and reveal everything. So that's why the cops killed Casper. Did you get that? Did you hear that? Yeah, I, I thought that there was so much. I really went back and listened to that conversation about three times. And there was so much information and so many names being dropped. But yeah, that's what it sounded like. But we still don't know exactly who, right? We just know that it's that group. Well, yeah, and even Annie. Okay, so I, I stopped there to ask you what you what you took out of that. But because Annie even says at this point, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Casper... Casper's dying started this whole mess and exposed everybody. So why would the cops kill him? Right. And if they had Casper, they wouldn't have killed him. They could have just tortured him to find out what happened with the diamonds and the diamond evidence. Right. Because the diamonds were evidently like the last piece of evidence in this 23-year-old murder that everybody wanted to be kind of free of. So Annie doesn't believe that the cops killed Casper. So we as the audience probably should question it too. <laughs> if Annie doesn't believe it, I don't think I want to believe it. That didn't make more sense though. I thought we had all I almost thought we had established that that the bad guys killed Casper, also in that group because or Osip in that group because they wanted his shares. That makes more sense. Well, and they the, got his shares after he died. But the other wild card in all this is the kids from the orphan from the jewelry store have right. some vengeance to. Re, re. You're right. Uh, so, um, so okay. So, jump to Polly gets another text of the dude again, meeting, asking for a meeting at the Hall of Records. Um, and Annie and Ray wonder who they can take this all this stuff that they just talked about. Who can they take this to? 
They can't take it to the state because Davis is dead, the black cop Davis, and, and, and Geldof was at the party, the attorney general. They can't mm-hmm. take it to the Ventura Sheriff's Office because though they're all after Annie. She's a Ventura Sheriff or was on suspension. They can't go to the feds because they don't have enough evidence to stand up to anything yet. So they're kind of boxed in. They can't do anything with all this knowledge that they have. No, with all the crookedness. I mean, it's like everybody's crooked. Who would you trust in a situation like that? I don't know. Um, So we go to Chisani now drinking with a hot blonde at the Vinci Gardens Casino Bar. Putting the moves on this hot blonde with like one inch long diamonds on her necklace. Gold or diamonds or something. She had some glaringly obvious, you know, money necklace. Um, Frank and Frank walks in and tells him to hit the road, hit the road, Jack, go home and take care of your business. And Chisani says, no one tells me where to hit, when to hit the road. And then Frank drops a couple bombs on Chisani and says, your son is buying influence with the hooker, with his hookers to slide right into your chair and take over. Yep. Um, he's working behind your back with McCandless and Osip. So Frank's turning a couple of these people against each other pretty smartly here. Um, so Chisani gets all mad. And, um, next, Osip, Team Osip walks in. Osip and his boys walk in. And they say, yep. we've got the lean on this place now and the lux. And these clubs are now going to be ours. Um, so Frank, curiously, did you get why he did this, Michelle? He takes out his gun and puts it on the sink. He doesn't keep his gun. Um, was it because he was playing meek? That's how I took it. You know, like I, at first I thought he put it over there so it would be close and he would have a way to get, get it. And then I thought maybe he put it over there to show that he was unarmed. Well, he does play meek. He does strategically lay down and show his belly a little bit. He says, what, why do you want my club? I'm struggling just to stay in the black. You know, this club sucks. You can have it. <laughs> yeah, but did you buy that? No, he's playing No, he's playing them the whole time. No, of course. I'm saying if you were Osip, would you buy that? Yeah, Frank, maybe. Who's, uh, Frank, who's so aggressive and everything, I almost didn't buy that part of this story. I would have at least, okay, he would have to know that Frank's heard about this beforehand. He would have to know that because, because... Frank wasn't startled by this news at all. And then to not be startled by it and then to be so meek about it. He just uh, looks defeated. He has been beat down pretty low. Yeah. He just looks pretty defeated. There's a couple other things that are less, that are harder for me to believe in this next scene at the casino. But I could see Osip in his vanity believing, yeah, I beat you down. I'm your, I'm your daddy. Now I'm going to own your club. You just be my good little manager boy now. I could see that happening. Osip says, we'll do better. I know you're not making any money, but we're going to do great. We have our own girls and our own product. We're going to make this thing shine. And Frank just says, yeah, I was out of my element with all this land stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, he's playing it pretty, pretty convincingly. Okay, let me ask you a question, though. Did Osip know that Frank had put all that money in with Casper? He did know, right? He knew part of that was like Frank's investment. I think so. Because what what man would take that kind of money, particularly a man like Frank, would take that kind of money loss 
and just be like, oh, well, you know, I just out of my element. I should have never done it. Yeah, but he has no – he appears to have no resources to do anything about it. Yeah. All he's got is a shitty club now, not making any money. He's got a team of Russians in his office pretty much threatening him. He's playing like he's defeated. Like, okay, I'll I'll take whatever bone you throw me. Right, but I would think Osip, the the man that he is, would be smart enough to know that that is is a ploy. If Frank had put out some kind of bravado or something, that would seem more realistic to me, just as a human being. And you would think certainly somebody like Osip. I just thought that was a little unbelievable. I even wrote down, no way, no way would he have been that cordial in that circumstance. And I can't imagine that that Osip would have bought that. Well, maybe Osip still needs more from Frank that he doesn't want to kill him off yet. I mean, he's asking for Blake, looking for Blake, and Frank says, well, he's not been around the club too much. And so maybe Osip's just promising Frank these little tidbits to keep him happy for the next day or two, and then he's going to just kill him. But he says... Um, my board wanted to take you out, but I'm going to offer you a day job with salary right. with the club. You can stay on the club you used to own. You can now work for me. So he's kind of making him a little bitch, which yeah. maybe he gets pleasure out of that even. Maybe. And then yeah. they just drink to the future. So Frank plays it pretty cool here, smoothly at least. Um, and next we see Paul now at the House of Records. It's in the evening. He calls Ray. He kind of admits now that they have pictures of me that I don't want people to see, and that's what I'm taking care of. Um, and then his old partner, it's his old partner from Black yeah. Mountain, takes his gun. Uh, and Black Mountain is now, by the way, Aries Security. And they have one job now, Michelle. Their job is to protect Catalyst. So they go inside the building. And I figured at this point Paul was done with this show because <laughs> yeah. there's no way he can. There's no way everybody can survive. And there's this looks like the the you know the path for Paul to be knocked out. Yeah. Um, so they eventually lead him to some guy. Why am I not, why am I not connecting Holloway to this guy? This guy looks so different. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought that's who he was. I actually wrote down and I put a question mark beside it. The chief of police. So the black guy was Holloway. Hmm. I think he, so. He looked so different in this out of out, out of, of uniform. Yes. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And this looks so different. Like, oh, that's some new guy. Yeah. But I guess yeah, yeah he's he's Holloway. So <laughs> I don't know. What, would the chief of police be that far? Would he even have to be there? Couldn't he have his subordinates convey this message to Paul? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you would think. <laughs> He's down in the tunnels under the city. I don't know. I I agree. I agree. And they all kind of, you know, they all showed up and ganged up on him. I mean, would there really be a need for all that if they just wanted to get rid of him? Wouldn't they just have, like, had somebody meet him? Was there a point to that whole thing? Well, they probably think, they probably know that Woodrow isn't all acting by himself and they want to get... They want to get Ray and yeah, anyone but they else. He's not going to give that up. Come well, on. They want to get anyone else that they can that is connected to. They want to clean this whole thing up enough that they can get away with it. Yeah. I don't know. So, okay, next we see Annie and Ray talking about the only choice they have really is to escape the country. So they can't go anywhere. They can't turn themselves in. They're 
I don't know how they're going to ever escape the country. Although that looks like Vince's plan, Vince Vaughn's plan, uh, too. Yeah, I don't know. How would Annie Ray get out of the country? They don't have the kind of money that that uh, Frank is going to end up with. No. All right, so they connect Vera, Laura, and Erica now all in this conversation. Uh, from the picture, Vera and Laura, Ray knows her as Erica, the pretty girl in Casper's office. And Laura, of course, was the orphan from the robbery. So Laura is Erica. Right. And she has now left her job and her apartment six weeks ago. Right. About the time Casper disappeared, right? Yep. So who do you think killed Casper now? Do you think it was this orphan girl, Laura? I mean, why? After that much time. Yeah. I don't know. I think it might have been her, because um, why else? What else is she doing? She's killing people, and the only you know the only f- most prominent one that we know of is Casper. Yeah, but I mean the way he was killed and stuff that doesn't I don't know. This is probably a stupid thing to even say, but it just doesn't seem like something a girl would do, like to you know pour acid in somebody's eyes and and. There will be some metaphor for that coming up, like from Pizzolatto. Like, you ruined my vision of how my life could be, so I took your vision. It'll be some thematically related um, message to that. Okay. Yeah, but, I mean, remember his... See, I... They they also, like, what, um, damaged his pelvic area i don't i don't remember what they did did they like castrate him or something they shot him in the balls with a shotgun yeah yeah so that just it seems very i don't know very personal well they i mean i guess you know killing your parents would be pretty personal i don't know and plus the whole mask the giant hooded the giant you know mask of the bird Mm -hmm. That would a woman probably could, I don't know. But that wasn't who shot Ray. That was a guy. I know, but who killed Casper had the mask, or the mask who was shot at least Ray had the mask there no. too. Remember, it was the same yeah, mask. But, but Cas, we're talking about who killed Casper, right? But I mean, you would think it was the same person who shot Ray because they had the mask. That was a maybe. Car with Ca- I don't know. The <laughs> ma- was the mask. Do we see the person wearing the mask with Casper, or was it just in the car? It was just in the car. Yeah. It was in the car so. beside him, like on the back seat or something. Yeah. I don't know. So, plus, the, you'd have to be pretty strong to move bodies around and stuff, and I don't know if Laura could do that. Yeah, I wouldn't think. I don't know. Something just doesn't ring totally accurate about that, but I could certainly be wrong. All right. So, I didn't like this next part, Michelle. Vince Vaughn clearing the casino with the fake gas leak. Uh well, we'll get to what he does. I guess Frank, it's Frank, Vince Von Frank. But Black Mountain, the the guy, this guy, uh, what's his name, Holloway, tells Woodrow that there's tunnels under, under the, the entire city. Not many people know about it. Um, he knows about the documents stolen from Monterey. Now, he calls this party Monterey. I thought they were up in Sonoma at the at the Bohemian Club at this party. It was a different party, I guess, huh? Maybe. Well, it couldn't have been a different party, could it? Well, because that's where he stole the documents. He but says, I, "He says I know about these documents that you stole from Monterey. That is not Sonoma County. That is not. 
Sonoma County, Guerneville slash Bohemian Club is the same place. That's that's one site. Monterey is freaking four hours away from there. Well, that must have been an error unless somebody knows something else because we know exactly where he stole it from and that was the the other place. Well, he calls that Monterey. Yeah. I don't know. So, so okay, I didn't like that part because I couldn't connect those dots. Then Woodrow says, I, I know about these documents, but they're not on me. Uh, Velcoro has the documents, and he's turning them into the feds. And he offers to call him mm-hmm. um, if he can skate with – now he starts to play like possum here, Woodrow does. He says, if you give me those pictures and let me skate, I'll give right, you – I'll turn him in. I don't care. You know. Yeah. You're right. I just want my life back. And that kind of so thing. he's faking that out because he's not going to really do that, I don't think. He didn't really no, plan to do that. No. All right. So Frank in this casino. Now, this was hard for me. Michelle, he unloads the safe. He shoots the Russian guard. And then he creates a real gas leak by just like pulling a gas line out like it's a piece of bamboo. <laughs> like, it's a, like it's a piece of rubber. Those are not easy to pull out of the wall like that. Well, thank goodness, Brian. And plus, there's no one in the kitchen. There's no one in the casino. That everyone just leaves when they hear. Right on the heels of Osip coming in to threaten Frank, we're taking over. We got your liens. Frank just makes a call. You know, okay, everybody out. There's a gas leak. Please leave for your own safety. Osip just buys that and leaves. Yeah, yeah, I know. Come on, yeah. he can't. It's like right five minutes after that meeting. Anyway, so he does pull out the gas lines and it's going to cause some problems with real gas leaks. <laughs> but um, we jump to the hotel room. Now, this scene I liked, Michelle. <laughs> um, this was Mama and Emily, Paul's wife, Emily, watching Splendor in the Grass, which is a yeah. 1960 movie, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Natalie Wood acting in this movie. And the the girls are watching this movie. I guess we jump to we're, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but they're in the movie drinking big gulps with vodka and eating popcorn watching this movie. Um, or we just start to see them watching the movie. We'll get to what really happens in a minute. But um, Paul Emily's not drinking vodka, is she? She's pregnant. Yeah. I hope not. I didn't see her drinking vodka, but who knows? Anyway. All right, more jump cuts. Let's jump back to Paul. He pulls the fast phone trick and gets the gun. Here, look at the phone. It doesn't get reception. Whoosh, I got your gun now. Yeah. Then he escapes into the tunnel. There's a couple of hard scenes to believe here. He escapes running into the tunnels. Yeah, but but he, well, he, he shoots Holloway. No, he. No, he, he uses Holloway as a shield. Right. This is another scene that you don't get away with probably in real life as much as you do on TV. Where you hold one guy hostage while four other guys hold guns on you. Right. Then you throw that guy down. You beat him down, push him away, and run away. And the four guys still can't shoot you. Well, it kind of was in the dark. And the only thing, because I kind of wrestled with that too, but, but Paul was into something before. And I don't know that we still know what that was. Remember he was like damaged from before. He had like some kind of scars or something that was before his uh, military days and everything. And so then he was in the military and all that. So maybe he had some kind of mad skills with something like that. That's the only thing is that they have given us a backstory on Paul. That we yeah, know but if that he's all he scarred more... up like that, maybe he has some, he has poor skills. Yeah. Somebody well, hurt him. Yeah. I don't know. 
I don't know. You can't if you if you, even if you make everybody drop their gun to the floor and you have the hostage, then you punch the hostage a couple times, push him away, and turn and run. Those guys just pick up the gun and shoot you from the floor. I mean, I guess he kicked him away. They kicked him away, but it was just a stretch. And it was dark. Yeah, it but was it was dark, dark in the hallways. And it was stuff. dark with the lights in Paul's face. It was not dark yeah. to. I don't know. It wasn't dark to his advantage. I guess till he turned the corner and he was in the dark. Right. But. He pulls a quick one and gets away for the moment. Um, now Ray and Annie are in the cabin again, and they plan to expose to CNN. That's probably their best plan, just bring it to the media, this, all this information, since they can't really share it with law enforcement. And Annie apologizes to Ray for getting him wrapped up in all this. Yeah. And they just talk about all the evil in their past and drink, which doesn't seem to be the greatest plan if you're going to try to get away from people to just start drinking again. I mean, they've been drinking ever since. That's what I was thinking about earlier in the in the episode. You know, she's just coming off the molly, and they're sitting there just drink after drink. And they're trying to make some pretty important life decisions here, and it's not slowing them down. Well, plus you have to aim a gun, you have to drive, you have to shoot, you have to run. Let's not stop them before. So Annie tells him, you're not a bad man. And Ray says, yes, I am. Do you miss it? And Annie says, what? And Ray says, anything. Very cryptic conversation. Yeah. Um, so Paul's back in the tunnels, continuing his escape. Uh, his lover boy gets killed during this process. Uh, jump back to Annie and Ray. They start to make out. Uh, jump over to Frank. He collects more money from another part of the club. And Yeah, let- okay. That, that money. What was that? Was he's that probably his got money, money? He's probably got money stashed. That's why I'm saying you, you can't tell Osip, okay, Osip, leave for this gas emergency. Please step outside quietly. And then he goes and loots the club of all the money. Right. Well, I didn't know if that was his money. Remember the liquid part that he said he could get his hands on? Or if it was just casino money. Well, that's that his was, money. He owns the casino. Well, he did until about 15 minutes ago. Yeah, Osip's not going to let him have free reign. It's like, okay, you're fired. Now I'll be back in a week to clean out your desk. <laughs> you know, do whatever you want for the next week or a okay. couple days. You don't do that. That's silly. And plus the the suspicious action of a there's a gas leak. Please leave safely. <laughs> and everybody just leaves. Yeah. So Ray collects those that money, lights all the liquor on fire, and escapes through the kitchen, turning more gas stoves on and just goes and then next he's like three miles away watching the casino burn from up on a hill yep pretty pretty uh pretty easy solution for frankie there he gets away clean yep all right paul gets outside the tunnels takes the or takes the first ladder outside the tunnels he sees and is killed immediately by burris pretty stupid of him i would have worked my way into some deeper part of the tunnels and taking another random way up. Well, and I thought that there was like, what, six? I can't even remember now. And then, then he had only, only shot five of them or gotten five of them. And I thought there was another one as he was going through there. I was kind of trying to keep count on because it was dark and tunnels and whatever. And I would think, he in that situation would have certainly kept count. And you're not going to think you're just free and clear just because you get outside the building. And he didn't even like go through the door with any, he's not going to be that good 
at handling that kind of volatile situation and then not check behind a door. Yeah, I thought he killed everyone in the tunnels and came up to the building and then went out just, okay, I'm, I'm getting out of here. And he was just on the streets and Burris just happened to be there. I don't think Burris was in the tunnels. Oh, oh, he didn't go down with them. I don't think so. But I, but then again, I don't know how Burris just happened to be right outside the first door that he. Right. He stands outside the one door that, that Paul comes out of. Right. Knowing that Paul's going to kill all these. I don't know. Maybe he was the guard outside to prevent anybody else from coming in or something. I don't know. But it was very unclear, certainly, why he, if he was there and why he would have been there. Well, he's a cop. He's, he's more than just a guard. He's. He's one of those guys. I, I don't sure, know. Sure, but I mean, guarding them from anybody else stumbling upon the area, or I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they deliberately left him outside, but still. Well, that... Paul's, Paul's not going to come back like Ray came back, Michelle from Tennessee. He got shot in the back, and then he got walked up on and shot in the head. Yeah, but I I did kind of put down, maybe he can come back, you know, like, like Ray. Who knows? Yeah, some get some brain regeneration going. Yeah. He looks pretty dead to me. Um, but uh, now here's the scene I liked. I was trying to start before, but it's the hotel room scene with the movie Splendor in the Grass or whatever it is. Yeah. It's um, the wife now and the mom in their sad ass hotel room, and the wife is awake, but the mom is passed out from her big gulp vodka drink. Yep. And the wife knows, just this is right after Paul gets killed, she somehow she knows, and sadness just kind of descends on this room. Yep. And the scene on TV, I don't know if you had your closed caption on, Michelle. I didn't. The no. scene on TV is a mother, Natalie Wood, with her baby boy. She's talking and kind of cooing with the, the baby boy. Right. And there's another woman in the room who's expecting a baby, just like Emily is expecting a baby. And hoping for a girl this time. And Emily watches this in the room really tearfully. I, I just thought it was a pretty powerful scene with the darkened lighting and the soundtrack underneath it. And the, the, final, the final line from the movie is, will you come home for dinner? Will you come back for dinner? And, of course, we know Paul lying there in the sidewalk is never going to come back to anything. Right. Um, and then Burris grabs his phone and leaves him just dying there in the streets. I agree. I thought that was one of the better scenes that they've had. It was almost like she felt it. There was almost like a, she almost recoiled or jerked a little bit like she was struck or something just for a split second. It was just a nuanced kind of thing. And, and, um, and then got teary eyed and the scene with the, with the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Just so dark in the music and, and you couldn't hear that line. You could barely hear, will you come back for dinner from the TV show or the movie mm-hmm. on the TV? But you could, but in closed caption, it came through. So, and such a crappy, I mean, hotel room, the bad curtain, I called them the bad curtain hotel rooms. They were all in. And those just, are the good ones to hide in though. You don't <laughs> want to go to the Marriott. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's the end of it. So I got a couple thoughts from this at the very end of this, Michelle. There's, there's two, ti- two kinds of evil in this, in this show. There's the scheming evil, like Osip and McCandless and those guys, the bad, the bad cop guys, Chisani. They're scheming. They're working the system for – they're working things to their advantage, and they're pulling – hitting and pulling people against each other 
And then there's kind of the constant evil, like the Mexican drug cartel, those Mexican guys and the Cisco kid. I don't think they're the same kind of evil. I think the scheming evil, the OSIP guys and the cops and the double cross guys are the worst, more nefarious evil. And the constant evil, like the criminal type evil of the drug cartel, they're just not the same. But I think maybe the constant evil, I think it's more benign than the scheming evil. And I think maybe the constant evil will turn out to help Ray and Frank and Annie against the other evil group. Like those Mexican guys who seem kind of inept and, and kind of like, we're always going to be here. We're always going to collect our our percentage of drugs through your club. Maybe Frank can use those guys to help him. In what way? What way are you Against thinking? the other guys, against the cops and stuff. Because they're not really they're, – they're not really connected. The, the Mexicans just want their cut from the club. And the, and the scheming guys, OSIP and those guys, they're not going to want those Mexican guys around. They want their oh, own. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. So and, – and our heroes, Frank and Annie and Ray, they're all out of resources. Frank may have some resources soon, but they're out of money. They're out of firepower. But is it going to end like that? I mean, is it going to end that our our heroes, you know, picaresque though they may be, uh, Annie and Frank, or Annie and Ray, they're <clears throat> as close to good guys as you can get in what we're seeing. And is this going to end like that? Is it going to end with the good guys winning? Because this has been, it's just like you said, you know, there's there's evil and then there's darker evil and then there's darker evil. And even the good guys have so much essence of darkness in them. Um, is it going to end with, with the better or is it going to end just dark, dark? Well, I think Ray and Annie are the, they're victims and they're, but they're they're the heroes. They're victims from their childhood, and now subsequently heroes. One of these one of these orphan kids, or both of these orphan kids, are victims and potentially heroes. So they're they're kind of potentially allies. Frank's kind of an in between gray character. Like he was a criminal slash is a criminal, but is more of the good guy than than these other McCandless and Osip. Like Chisani, there's nothing at all about that guy that I like. You know, you just totally want that guy to go down. Uh, Osip, not much I like about him. McCandless, you know, all those bad cops. Those are just totally black, black evil. Yeah. So I'd like to see Ray and Annie for sure win out. I'd like to see the orphans win out. I'd like to see Frank probably like to see him win out. But is there is there any way that Frank and uh, or that Ray and Annie can really win. I mean, Ray's already lost his son. He's already killed the wrong guy. There's there's so much just terrible. And what's the best case scenario with this? I mean, I agree with you. I just don't see it. And I don't see them being able to unless they just inundate us with so much. Because this is a lot of information that we just went over. And unless they just give us this much again, I don't see how we're. Well, I could see Ray getting killed off because Ray's got nothing much to live for. There's no romance between Ray and Annie. They ride off into the sunset in some foreign country. That's just not likely. 
So I could see Ray getting killed, maybe getting killed, helping Annie survive. Annie somehow gets CNN, the news out, and then the story comes out and she gets justified. Uh, Frank might just escape to Venezuela with Jordan. Or one of them might escape and the other one might die. But yeah, I think, I mean, in season one, spoiler alert, but the evil kind of got away with it even though the detectives still solved some of it, it wasn't black and white. Like we solved the whole case. No, but there was definitely people to like in season one. There was, you were really, and they were dark and troubled characters, but there was definitely people to pull for. And in this, it's just like, you know, I mean, there's people to pull for, but just their Annie is so self-destructive anyway. And can you really get away with doing what she did? I mean, is there really any true escape? Because how many people were involved? And are you going to know everybody that was involved? And there's not going to be somebody coming back down the road to avenge something that you've done since there's so much. Yeah, I think Annie can get away. I think Annie, if she gets to the media and the story comes out in the full light of everything, she can say, yeah, I I went into this club to help find people and help save them. They caught me and I had to defend myself. She can justify the murder of that of that guard. Oh yeah. Frank, I think has to get away and be gone into Venezuela. Ray, he can get away, but still have his own mind to imprison him. So I think his best way of getting away is to get killed. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think, I think, I think Ray, being killed, Annie being in the media, and Frank being in Venezuela is their escape. I don't know if all three of those things will happen. Yeah, I don't know. I, I want to see Chasani. I want to see Chasani get killed and McCandless and Osip. I want to see those guys get killed, but I don't think they'll all get killed. I think some of them will get away with the crappy shit they started. And then there's the orphans. Right. We're going to see something happen with the orphans. They're going to either get one of them. I, I don't know. I don't even know how to predict that. There's only one episode left. I know. No, that's what I'm saying. I, as dark as this whole thing is being, I'm just not seeing Frank and Jordan sipping Mai Tais on a beach at the end of it. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope they leave us with with something a little more uplifting. So you're dismissing the Manchurian candidate that Jordan's working against Frank? I just don't think she is. I mean, if she is, that was the most terribly written way because they're going to take us all the way down to like the last 60 minutes of this and then let us know that. Is this supposed to be some kind of like shocker thing that happens or something? There's clues you could go back and find because yeah, I'm going to be pretty... By the way, I think these final two episodes are a little longer. I think this, this number seven was like ten minutes longer, and I think the final one is even longer, longer. So they have a little bit more than an hour to tell us this story. Well, you realize we've been talking about this one for like an hour and 23 minutes. Well, just minutes. to sort out all the crap they threw at us. I know. That's what I'm saying. Can you imagine what the last one's going to be? Yeah, you're right. We talked about it longer than it took to watch it. Well, you had to. I mean, it was hard to even 
pick it apart, even in this amount of time. I guarantee you we could go over it again and pick out other stuff. Well, I'm sure we'll hear from the Twitter world on people saying, oh, you guys are idiots. You should have seen that this happened or that happened. And don't you know that this guy is that guy and that guy is this guy and she's behind that and she's double-crossing him? Um, Maybe, but – and there probably is a lot of stuff that we've missed. But in our defense, there's probably a lot of stuff that we picked up on that other people missed too. There's there's so much information in this that I think it would be just about impossible to cover just what they're saying, much less what they could be implying. It's a lot of work, this show. A lot of work to watch it. It really is. I'm actually glad that there's one episode left because this. I I just want to see it. I, I I don't know if they'll try again True Detective three next season. Um. I haven't heard anything. Probably. I mean, even though this is not getting as much pleasing, as many pleasing reviews as season one, I'm sure a lot of people are watching. It's probably got good ratings. So. I'm game to watch it again. I mean, season one was so good that I would certainly give them another shot at recreating another season one. So you'd, think, you'd watch season three, but you didn't mean you're going to watch season two again, did you? Oh, gee, no, no. No, 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 no. Um, I would watch a third season in hopes that they with, can recreate some With of Amy them. Poehler and Tina Fey as the detectives. Why not? Why not? All right, Michelle, that's it, 207. It's been a slog, as yep. usual. But um, we do some other more fun podcasts, like Halt and Catch Fire. Halt and Catch Fire is... I have some sad thoughts about that because it looks like that show might be over if they don't renew it. But that's a great show. That's another podcast we do. Yeah. And that's a great show. And it, it is and really it's not good. getting good viewership. So hopefully they'll give it the Breaking Bad consideration. Breaking Bad didn't get very good ratings in its first couple seasons. I uh, really hope so. I really do because I hate to see that show stop it's so good have you seen the finale yeah yeah me too so So we do that podcast we do some other ones uh, fargo and orange is the new black and the affair louis the affair stuff starting to start up again so watch for us on west coast project my twitter is at scathing tweets and michelle what's yours michelle from tn all right michelle see you next week at omega station Okay, we'll see you then.